welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. Good to see all of you here tonight. My favorite service of the week. I like Wednesday nights. Get in the word. We look at the Bible. We go through it verse by verse. Although in Genesis we'll be skipping some verses because some is a little long. But, uh, um, but, but we look at the Bible verse by verse. We go through it. We put it in context and just teach it as it happens. Okay? So we are in Genesis. The beginnings. First book of the Bible. And we are in chapter 24. And pick it up at verse 12. Now what had happened here is Abraham uh, sends his servant, makes him swear that he will go back and find a bride for, for Isaac. Okay, and so what he's basically doing is sending him back to where his relatives lived to basically find a cousin for him to marry. Now, it's pretty gross by today's standards, but that's what they did back then. You know, they, 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 were, they tried to keep everything pretty much in the fam. You know what I'm saying? And not, not a whole lot of people around. Also, by the way, as, as we learned from uh, Lot's <laughs> daughters. <laughs> that was gross. But anyway, if you missed that. <laughs> but uh, uh, not enough guys around, so they got dad drunk and got pregnant with him. Very, very strange stuff. But anyway, so he makes this guy swear he's going to go back and find uh, a wife for for uh, for Isaac. And he, the guy's freaking. I said, well, "What if I can't find anybody? I'm going to be stuck because I swore." And and Abraham says, "No, just chill. If you can't find anybody, you can go home. It'll be cool." And uh, so the guy sets out. So he gets to this well back in the town where Abraham comes from and he's hanging by the well and he's kind of freaking out and so in desperation he prays this prayer to God let's read this prayer he says "O Lord God of my master Abraham give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham see I'm standing beside the spring he's praying and the daughters of the townspeople are coming to draw water may it be when I say to a girl please let down your jar that I may have a drink and she says Drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let that be the sign. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Okay, now, big deal here, because I do not believe in the one. I do not believe God created another human being just to make you happy. I don't believe this whole idea of soulmates and everything else is a bunch of hogwash and nonsense, in my opinion. And on occasion, I'll get somebody who'll say, well, wait a minute, right there, he prayed for the one. Okay, but wait a minute now. This is a man who's in desperation. What he... That's a big old mama bug. I almost swallowed that thing. (laughs) Did you see that? Holy cow! With my big mouth. (laughs) Anyway... Here's the guy, what he's really trying to pray for, when he says the one, he's looking for a relative. Okay? He's not looking for a soulmate. There's a big difference here. And I always tell people who argue with me, look, if you're good with one of your dad's employees finding a cousin for you to marry, then you can pray the stupid prayer. Otherwise, don't be ridiculous. But that's what he's doing. 
And what he's really looking for. So he basically sets out a sign. He says, God, if I ask a girl and she says, sure, I'll give you some water and I'll water your camels too. Then that'll be the one that I know that'll be the one. God, please let this be the one. Again, specifically looking for a relative, but also he's also looking for the one too because God wants me to marry. He's thinking in those terms, trying to find the one girl that God has specially set aside for him. Now, all kinds of faulty thinking in this and lots of faulty thinking in the Old Testament when it came to discovering the will of God. And this went all the way even through the New Testament, even right up to almost the day that the Holy Spirit came on the church. Remember what happened when these guys... Um, were looking for the next apostle because Judas went out and hanged himself and they wanted to replace him. Do you remember how they decided who was going to be the next apostle? Anybody remember? They, no, no, lots. Dice. Same, same kind of thing. Basically, they rolled the dice. They drew lots. You know, not exactly the most spiritual approach to things in life. <laughs> All right, let's get a bunch of straws. And whoever, God, help the right guy pick the right straw. And that's how they decided who the next apostle was going to be. All right? Now, Why? Because they just were kind of clueless. They didn't know how to really hear God's voice. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. And from the minute, because then right after that, we read that the Holy Spirit comes and zaps them all and they're filled with the power of God. From that time on, you never see any more nonsense. Never more special signs and God, just show me if it really is your will. Do this, that, and the other. And la, 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 la. Because we don't do that anymore. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, did God answer those prayers in times past? Yeah, he did. God did all kinds of strange things in the Old Testament. uh, Taking people from where they were at. And as we will continue to read Genesis, you're going to see all kinds of more bizarre, twisted behavior. But these guys didn't, they they didn't even have the Bible. There wasn't even a law yet. There There was no Ten Commandments. There was nothing. This predates all of that stuff. And even after that, there were times where, you know, we read the story of Gideon where, God spoke to him and told him what to do, and then he still wasn't sure. And he said, well, God, give me a sign. I'm going to lay this fleece out, this this sheepskin or whatever. And when I wake up in the morning, if the sheepskin is wet with dew, but all the grass is dry, then I'll know it's your will. And he comes out, and the sheepskin's wet, and the grass is all dry. And he goes, wow. Okay, Okay, let me try it one more time, God. Okay, this time, when I pray, if, if it's really your will, let the... Grass be wet, but the skin be dry. The, the fleece, that's what they call it. And uh, so he laid out this fleece, and they prayed. And the next day, sure enough, the grass was all wet, but the, the fleece was dry. And, okay, now I know it's the will of God. Never mind, God told him what to do. All right, so this is how he, he figures this out. And, and there's Christians who use that kind of thinking today. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay a fleece before the Lord, they say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say sign. No. Lord, if, if I go to the grocery store and the guy gives me back too much money in change, then I know you really want me to do what you want me to do. You know, or, or you know, stupid stuff. I'm telling you. Now, again, in the Old Testament, when they didn't know a lot about God, God put up with that. Even in the New Testament, in the frustration, let's pick lots to find out what... God's will is, you know, I don't know what school to go to. We're going to draw lots. You know, we're going to roll the dice and see what happens. If it's a seven, I go to this school. If it's an eight, if it's a, if it's five, I'll go to this one. You know, I mean, come on. We're not supposed to do that kind of stuff anymore. But there's Christians who still think in these terms of praying for signs and stuff like, don't do that. We're supposed to be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if you're short on that deal, come and get wisdom. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. So when we read about these things, we're reading, again, in the context particular to these guys, there's not even Ten Commandments. They don't know jack squat about anything. All right? 
So they're not exactly spirit-filled believers who've been born again with the Spirit of God in them, giving them revelation. Uh, and, and with the Bible, they have nothing. So that you're going to see odd, strange things. I mean, I know Christians, will, they'll do, hey, I, I don't know what God wants to do in my life. So what I did is I just opened up the Bible and, and, and I just dropped my finger. And whatever verse is, I'm, I'm going to read it and, and God will speak to me. Literally, I know of people who've done stuff like that. You know, but what a dumb thing to do. You could drop your finger and say, Judas went out and hanged himself. <laughs> Go thou and do likewise. <laughs> you know, don't... Well, I guess I gotta hang myself. That's what I write. Open the Bible. That's what it said. Don't be ignorant. 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 I won't even call it ignorant because that's too high. It's just ignorant. They're just playing ignorant, looking at that, like doing that like that. All right, so anyway, this guy's freaking out. He doesn't know what to do. He's praying, God, send the one. And if he wants, she wants to water my camels, I know it's the one. So before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcal, it was a, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. But anyway, it's a relative, okay? And the, the girl was a very beautiful, was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. Well, the servant hurried to meet her and said, uh, please give me a little water for, from your jar. And she said, well, here, drink. And quickly lowered the jar to her, to her hands and gave him a drink. And after she'd given him a drink, she said, uh, I'll draw water for your camels too. Until they finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran back to the well, draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Well, without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Isn't this supposed to be the one? That's what happened. He prayed. But he didn't just start going, praise God, I know you're the one. You know the one because God, I'd have prayed. And if you were, if you were a camel's kind of chick, you would be the one. <laughs> he didn't do that. Okay? What happens? When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becca and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels, and, and, uh, which, you know, is her reward. Let me stick a nose, a ring in your nose. They're not from Green Bay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, thank you, sweetheart. Let me stick a ring in your nose here. I really appreciate that. But, but then he asked, whose daughter are you? Remember, what is he looking for? A relative. Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? Honey, why did you invite that man over? I didn't, mommy. He invited himself. But uh, anyway... She answered him, well, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, born to Nahor, uh, which is the relative of Abraham. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. Well, the man, then the man bowed, bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's what? Relatives! That's the one that he was looking for. Okay, now it also happens to turn out to be her. But don't get 
caught up in this, you know, well, he prayed for the one, you know. No, 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 he's just looking for someone, part of the fam. Well, the girl ran told uh, her mother's household about this thing. By the way, he's coming over. Uh, and now Rebecca had a brother named Laban, not Lathan, but Laban. And he hurried out to the man at the spring as soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms. And, and had heard Rebecca tell what the man had said to her, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. Come, you who are blessed by the Lord. Why are you standing out here? I prepared the house and a place for the camels. So he's right away, he's being very nice to the guy. So the man went to the house and the camels were unloaded. Straw and fodder were brought for the camels and water for him and his men to wash their feet. So it wasn't just him, it was a bunch of guys too. Uh, then food was set before him, but he said, I will not eat until I have, until I have told you what I have to say. And Laban said, okay, then tell us. So he says, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver, gold, men servants and maidservants, camels and donkeys. By the way, there are people who think that, you know, God doesn't want people to be blessed financially. Well, clearly that's whack, okay? You know, now he, not everybody gets rich, but God does bless people with wealth. And it is the blessing of God in their life. And, you know, I'm sure all of us would really like that blessing. Hallelujah. Over here. But, uh, um, you know, don't, don't think of those terms. I mean, God blessed him. He became very wealthy. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age and has given everything uh, to him that he owns. And my master made me swear an oath and said, you must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live, but go to my father's family and to my own clan and get a wife for my son. Anyway, let's skip ahead a little because these guys, they tell the story and then they tell the story again as they're repeating the story to the other guy. And then sometimes then they'll repeat the story again and we'll read it five times in a row. Okay, so let me skip a little bit for da 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 blah 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 blah. So he gets to the end, verse fifty. Let's pick it up there because all we're going to read is exactly what we just read. And if you think I'm cheating, just go ahead and read it, and you'll find that's exactly what it is. Okay. So then Laban and Bethuel answered, "This is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other." Here is Rebecca. Take her and go. Uh, You might want my input on that. Rebecca was probably thinking, but here's Rebecca. Take her and go. Let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord directed. When Abraham's servant heard that, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then the servant brought out gold and silver jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebecca. Gave a whole bunch of stuff. Again, very rich was Abraham. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother. Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. And I was like, I got to go see you guys later. But her brother and her mother replied, let the girl remain with us 10 days or so. Then you may go. But he said to them, do not detain me now that the Lord has granted success to my journey. Send me on my way so that I may go to my master. Then they said, let's call the girl and ask her about it. Finally, a little sanity prevails. So they called Rebecca and said, will you go with this man? Now, this is very important because 
Historically, you know, you hear stories about these arranged marriages and how horrible it was. And when the families arranged marriages, they were forced into marrying people that they didn't want. Generally, that was not true and never has been. And to this day, in cultures where they do arranged marriages, that is still not true. The parents pull the deal together, but then the kids have veto power. They get to choose one way or the other. I met a lady on an airplane. She was in arranged marriage, and I think her first two or a couple of times around, she said, no, I don't like this guy. He creeps me out. Okay. It wasn't until the one. And then she said, yeah, I'll, I'll marry this one. Again, arranged, whatever. She got a chance to meet him. She liked him, whatever. Uh, then culture changed about the 1800s. And then kids started making their own choices. But then the parents had veto power. That's where you get the tradition of asking the father's permission. And, and boy, they meant it. If dad said no, pfft, it was over, dude. It wasn't going to happen. Today we just do it out of polite, you know, I'd like permission to marry your daughter. If you say no, I'm going to marry her anyway. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. All right. Back in those days, it meant something. And I argue either way, there was safety involved. You got somebody else helping to make the decision about the mate. Otherwise, if you don't do that, you're off in this world of how do I know it's the one? How do I know it's the one? How do I know it's the one? You know, I just trust my feelings. I just trust my feelings. No, you might want to not do that. Because your feelings will get you in all kinds of trouble. My advice to you single people, young or old, if you're dating, do not trust your feelings. All right? Get somebody you trust. That means feelings is a place to start if the person... you know, repels you and you want to go hurl, probably not for you, okay? So I'm I'm not saying feelings aren't a starting point. You know, you ought to at least kind of like the guy. You know what I'm saying? If you're, you know, don't go that way, all right? But if you like the girl, you like the guy, get somebody you trust, friends. Ideally, if you're young enough, it would be your parents, assuming they are not dysfunctional wackos themselves, okay? Because there's a lot of that out there. So, I mean, if they're kind of whacked out, then, you know, you know, get some, some Christian friends or somebody that you know. You know, if you don't know anybody, invite me over. I'll take, I'll take a look at them. <laughs> you know, girl or guy, man, I'll sit down with you and say, yeah, let me tell you about this one, okay? Uh, because then there's safety in that. Okay, now you're getting some input Don't just go running off trying to make your own decision. You can do that if you want, but you talk about rolling the dice. Most people head up for a disaster. Because when you are dating someone, you're falling in love with someone, you're attracted to someone, your emotions are clouding your brain. Get someone to play Vita Power, a friend, a pastor, someone you can trust. Hey, you know, can we get together a little bit? And and, and I tell people all the time, you know, man, I'll double date any of y'all. I eat every night, man. I'll go on a double date with you. You got to buy the meal, but I'm coming, you know. I'd love to meet your little date and see where that. I'll tell you what I think, you know. Yeah, I know you really like him, but he did just get out of prison yesterday. You might. For being an axe murderer, you may not want to go that way you know you know they're just trying to take advantage of you know because really you can see a lot of stuff the person who's doing the dating can't you know what i'm talking about right have you ever seen that or where you, you meet somebody and they're all starstruck and you're, you meet them in 10 minutes and you're thinking yikes <laughs> 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 
bad plan. Let's go to plan B on this one. You know what I'm saying? So honestly, you want to save yourself some grief, get somebody you trust. And and it won't always be next because sometimes, you know, you meet him and yeah, he's a perfect person for you and great person and great values. And because you'll ask different questions than the person dating will, (laughs) you know, Uh, anyway. So, so veto power is great. She had veto power and they said, do you want to go with this guy? And then she says, I will. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. Hopefully not right away. May your offspring, <laughs> there's a lot of kids, may your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. So they give her this blessing. Man, just be prosperous. Have a gazillion kids and change the world. Then Rebecca and her maids got ready. These people, obviously, all of them had a bit of cash. <laughs> you know, when you get on a journey with all oh, my maids, I must get my maids together. You know, you're doing pretty well. So Rebecca and her maids got ready and mounted their camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebecca and left. Now, Isaac had come from Bir Lahi Roy, which is just, just east of Madison. And... Uh, <laughs> name these places for he was living in the Negev so that's where Isaac uh, had come from and he went out to the field one evening to meditate as he looked up he saw a bunch of camels coming Rebecca looked up and saw super stud Isaac and she got down from the camel and asked her servant said who's the super stud out in the field coming to meet us and he said well this this is my master and she thought yes okay so this this (laughs) I'm making that up but I'm pretty guessing that's kind of what was happening here oh yeah yeah so the servant answered so she took her veil and quick covered herself because that was the tradition you know you don't really get to see me you really want someone with good veto power going when you can't even see the girl are you hearing me now you really gotta leave you know she's not hideous is she no no she's good you're not lying to me are you I can't see her all right so anyway without really seeing her The servant told Isaac all he had done, and Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, who had just died not long ago at at 125, whatever she was, 28. Um, And uh, he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Amen. All right, now check out Abraham. The guy, he's got to be at least 137, because she died at 127. So there's at least 130, so I'm probably a little bit older than that. He takes another wife. So clearly, as I said before, some people thought, you know, maybe, maybe he had an impotency problem. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> because he takes another wife, whose name is Keturah, who apparently is quite the fertile myrtle, because she bonks out like six kids. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I'm just reading what it says, people. Okay, so you can read all their names there. I can't even pronounce them. So anyway, uh, so anyway, so he, he has all these kids with with this with his second wife at 130 whatever. Obviously, he didn't have too many problems in that area. Abraham, but but Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac. Isaac gets it all. Whoa. 
You know, being the firstborn in this culture, by the way, was huge. Huge. You would get the blessings, you would get it all. And the other poor slobs, some of them would get jack squat. Wow. Heavy duty. So anyway, uh, Abraham uh, left everything he owned, but while he was still living, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines. Apparently there were other women besides his other wife. And he's having sons left and right here with all the babes uh, at 100 and who knows how old he is at this point. Altogether, Abraham lived 175, apparently with a big smile on his face. But anyway, 175 years. (laughs) You got to hand it to the guy, man, I'm telling you. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age. You got that right. 175. An old man and full of years. And he was gathered to his people and his sons Isaac and Ishmael. Check it out. Who comes back? Ishmael. Here's that Papa dies and comes back. Now, I, when I'm reading this, I think, you know, it's not like they had text messaging. You know, how do they find these things out? I mean, you know, somebody had to get on a camel and go riding off into who knows where to go find Ishmael, whoever in the world he's at. And, but he comes back and the two boys bury Papa. And Abraham was buried with his wife, Sarah. And in verse 11, after Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who lived near Beer, Lehi, Loi, whatever, that place. Now, this is the account of Abraham's son Ishmael, whom Sarah's maidservant, Hagar, the Egyptian, bore to Abraham. And he starts talking about all the sons and the people that he had and where he lived, blah, 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 blah. Then we read at verse 19. Now, this is the account of Abraham's son Isaac. And we will read this because this, this gets interesting here. Now, Abraham became the father of Isaac when, uh, when Isaac, I'm sorry, Abraham became the father of Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah. Pastor, I thought you were in a young marriage. Well, you know, when you live to 175, 40 is still pretty chipper, I would think. But uh, 40 years old when he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from, <laughs> anyway, read it yourself. Anyway, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. Now, isn't that interesting? Like father, like son. Abraham, his love of his life, Sarai, who becomes Sarah, marries her and she's barren and can't have a child. And Isaac marries this girl and she can't have a baby either. It's just what an amazing thing. But, so, but he starts praying for her. And the Lord answered his prayer. And his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. And the babies jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? I mean, all of a sudden she feels this. It's one thing when the baby's kicking. It's another thing when, you know, it's, you know, death cage match, you know, fight, you know, inside. And she said, what in the world is going? And so she prays and the Lord says to her, there's two nations in your womb. So you're going to have twins. And two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. And the older one will serve the younger. Very unusual. Because remember, the old guy gets it all. And in this case, the twin, whoever comes out first, they would wrap with a little something or ID. In this case, they don't have to wrap anything with him because you'll see he was pretty identifiable in a second here. But uh, they, they would mark the oldest one who, even by seconds. He would get it all. Amazing. But in this case, the Lord speaks and says, that's not what's going to happen here. 
the younger one, the older one's going to serve the younger one. So anyway, the time came for her to give birth. Uh, there were twin boys in her womb. The first one to come out was red. And his whole body was like a hairy garment. Ew! So they named him Esau, which apparently means red hairy guy. I'm glad they don't name us that way now. I'd have been named Bald Strange Guy. But anyway, after this, his brother came out with his hands grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. All right? Because Jacob means he grasps the heel. It does. Isn't that weird? Anyway. (laughs) I have a great joke about that, but I cannot tell it because I'm a man of God. Anyway, all right. (laughs) ask me later I'll tell you it's hilarious but anyway (laughs) how much too spiritual is that from the pulpit (laughs) okay so Isaac was 60 years old when Rebecca gave birth to them so this he was 40 when he married her it was another 20 years before God answered his prayer so again kind of like dad Uh, Not quite as elongated, but still very interesting. Well, the boys grew up. Esau became a skilled hunter, Mr. Hairy Guy, a man of the open country. Well, you know, it's one thing to become hairy later. Can you be that hairy right out of the womb? Apparently you can. Man, wouldn't that freak you out? Why am I talking about this? I'm an idiot. Move on. Esau, Mr. Harry, becomes a hunter, man of the open country, while Jacob was the girly man, quiet guy, staying among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau. So Papa loved Isaac, Harry boy, because he loved wild game. And Isaac was out, or Esau was out there killing wild things and cooking them up. And Papa liked that. So he really liked it. But Mama loved Jacob. Jacob was a mama's boy. I'm telling you right now. That's the way it was. Now, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. So Jacob's home cooking. Just reading the story, folks. Esau comes comes in from, from the country. He's famished. He says to Jacob, hey, man, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. And that's why he was also called Edom. Which, which literally means red. So, I don't know. Anyway, Jacob replied, well, first sell me your birthright. Now, stop and think about this. I mean, Jacob, the boy's, you know, kind of a girly man, but he's got a pair. I'm telling you, he is negotiating his way. He is swindling. He says, I'll give you some food. Sell me your birthright. And now, uh, Esau says, Man, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright to me? Now, you would think this is a casual thing, but this is really not a casual thing. You know, uh, in our culture today, you know, you're the firstborn. I want to be the firstborn. I don't care. Give me your burger. You know, you can have the firstborn title or whatever. But it's not like that. This was a major, major deal. These were adult men, and he knew the significance of this. And apparently, he didn't care. I mean, it's one of the strangest things. 
The New Testament actually uses this as an analogy later of, of talking about people who give up on their faith and, and don't really con- continue with God. They're like Esau people who I don't care about heaven. I don't care about God. I don't care about hell. I don't care about hell. I just want to be the way I am, you know. Man, don't be like that. This, here's a guy who has all the blessings coming his way. He despises. He doesn't care. And he's hungry. So Jacob said, but he said, okay, I don't care. I'm about to die. Give me something to eat. I don't, why do I care about a birthright? But Jacob said, well, swear to me first. So then he made his brother swear, selling him his birthright. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. He took it so casually not aware of what he was doing well now there was a famine in the land and uh there's a whole thing here about uh um isaac and and, and abimelech I, i don't know if i want to read the whole thing here but anyway you know these guys were like warlords back in those days and you know and that happened for centuries you know even not too long ago uh before we got the kind of structure we have today with countries and you know and all that kind of stuff but it's just whoever has the most stuff would become basically like the warlord of, of the area and and they would always fight each other fighting over land and they'd build their own armies and it was, it was all kind of nuts and uh these guys were afraid because jacob was being so blessed uh, or i'm sorry isaac was being so blessed that these kings came and wanted to talk with them and, and they're trying to uh, make this uh um, oath, you know, so that, that, that we'll all we'll all get along and that kind of stuff. But uh, but let me do share this with you. Check this out now. Um, Isaac now is in Gerar, and when the man of that place asked about his wife, he said, "She is my sister." Who also did that? Papa. Isn't that amazing? I'm just like, father like son here. Strangest thing. You know, Isaac, Rebecca, they see Rebecca and like Hochi Mama and he freaks out and he says, you know, she's my wife. So the, the men of the place might kill me on account of Rebecca because she's a super babe. Okay, so he also married this incredibly beautiful woman. Uh, then when Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebecca. Apparently they're fellowshipping. And he's... Anyway, he's doing his thing. And so he's flirting with his wife and caressing her and touching her and whatever. And then Abimelech gets mad and says, Hey man, she's really your wife. Why did you say she's my sister? Well, because I thought I might lose her my life on account of her. I mean, it's the same scenario as before. Isn't that... I just find that absolutely strange and odd that... Uh, that this stuff would happen. So anyway, you can go on and keep reading all this other stuff and how Isaac and Abimelech, this king, had this, uh, you know, they were fighting over wells and stuff like that and they made this treaty and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so you can check all that out. So let's look at chapter 27. When, when Isaac was old and his eyes were weak so that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son. This is the hairy guy. Remember, this is Papa's favorite. And he says to him, my son, he can't see. Here I am, Esau answers. And Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Well, I mean, nobody knows the day of his death, but what he's saying is I'm about to die. 
It could happen any day, is basically what he's saying here. He says, now, get your weapons, your, your quiver and your bow, and, and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for him. Remember, he loved the wild game that his son would get for him. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like. That was, that's the way that he always showed respect and love to his father. Bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebecca, whose favorite son was Jacob, heard this. So Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the country, open country, to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully to what I tell you to do. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he can give you his blessing before he dies. Well, Jacob says to Rebecca, but my brother Esau is Mr. Hairy Man. Okay? And I'm Mr. Girly Man with the smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I, I would appear to be tricking him and he would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. And his mother said, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say, go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. She had a plan already set. And she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, uh, which she had in the house, and put them on the younger son. Why would that matter? Because Papa can't see. Because Papa could smell. Okay? And apparently, Mr. Harry Boy had quite a noticeable recognizable scent shall we say so she puts his clothes on him and she and then she covered uh, Jacob's hands and the smooth parts of his neck with goat skins so she, she's basically making him hairy okay so she's sticking hair and stuff on him so he's hairy and stuff like that puts on the brother's clothes because he kind of smells now like like the brother so then uh, then she handed her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made He went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son. He answered, who is it? Uh, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. And he says, well, how did you find it so quickly? I mean, you know, something's not quite right here. He just sent him out and all of a sudden, bada bing, bada boom. Here's the meal. And he says, well, the, the Lord, your God gave me success. He's just lying through his teeth to his father. Um, Then Isaac said to Jacob, come here so I can touch you, my son, to know whether or not you're really my son Esau or not. Because something was, little bells were going off in his brain. Well, Jacob went close to his father who touched him and said, well, it's the voice, it's the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. He had to be one hairy dude. So he blessed him. Are you really my son, Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Well, Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and and kiss me. So he went and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes... Then he was finally convinced 
Oh, something's not quite right. How did this happen so fast? His voice doesn't quite sound the same. He's hairy like like him, but, you know, and then he comes close. Give me a kiss, and he could smell his clothes. Yeah, 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 okay, that, that's him. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field. A little different than what I wear. <laughs> smell of a field. <laughs> Available now at Costco. Smell of field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of give you of heaven's dew and the earth's riches and abundance of grain new and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. May the uh, be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. So he gives him this incredible blessing. Uh, and after Isaac finished blessing him. And Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence. His brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. And his father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I'm your son, he answered. Your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently. I mean, he, he was ticked. Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I just ate before you came and I blessed him and indeed he will be blessed. And when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry. He just started wailing. And he said to his father, bless me. Me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Now, there's nothing really a lot holy here about what Jacob did, except that the brother did swear that he could have the blessing. So, anyway, it was honored. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright and now he's taking my blessing. Then he said, haven't you, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I've made him Lord over you and have made all his relatives uh, his servants and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. And Esau wept aloud. He is crying, weeping, pleading with this man who loved him more than he loved Jacob. And his father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's riches, richness. That sounds more like a curse. Away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. And that is how that ends there. Now we're going to pick up later and Esau is going to, wants to kill Jacob, do you think? Uh, but what I want to do next week, because I, I, want to, I want to get into this. Why is this such a big deal? Why couldn't he just give him another blessing? Well, you know, me, I'd, man, come on, everybody gather, I'll bless the whole lot of you. You know what I'm saying? But we view things very differently today than they did back then. And one of the things that they took so seriously is what they said. 
We live in a culture today that what you say doesn't mean jack squat. And we all don't take seriously what we say. Uh, you know, and it's, it's icky, you know. It's just weird. I'm as guilty as, this, as the next person, to be quite frankly. It's, it's not that I'm some super righteous person. We try to be more serious about it. We need to be people of our word. But it's just a different culture back then. And next week, I want to talk to you about why this is so important and why God's word is so important. Because this is very God-like and why God is not inclined to go around repeating himself. Why people pray and say, well, I'll pray. How come God doesn't tell me what to do? God doesn't go around repeating himself. He takes his words very seriously, just like they did back then and during this time, whom they obviously learned from God. I mean, words mean something. And indeed, they took their blessings seriously. And when they spoke something like this, it was law. And, and, and again, the reason why, if God has revealed his word and said it in his word, he's not about to be very likely to repeat it to you. Which means what? You need to learn the word. Why is that? Why doesn't God just tell us all what to do? Why doesn't God just tell me? I don't know what to do. Why doesn't God just tell me the situation? Why, you know, I pray, God, do you read your Bible? Not really. I, it makes me fall asleep. How come, how come I, you know, I, and I got to watch Gilligan's Island. But, you know, how come? No, 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 no. God, it wasn't into repeating himself. Generally speaking. His reveal, and we're, I'll pick it up there next week. And we're going to talk about the importance of, of, of the words, the blessing, the importance of our words. And most importantly, the importance of God's word. And that's why we stress it so heavily and so intensely. We really believe God's word and the importance of studying God's word. And, and bless all of you for being here on Wednesday night so we can really get into God's word to learn what God says about different things and, 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 and how he wants to bless our lives, what the rules are, all the conditions that God wants us to walk in. Uh, it's all revealed right here. We need to learn it. And you're learning. Anyway, bless you guys. Okay, we will end the uh, service with our Wednesday night offering. I'll give you an opportunity to give. There's a a lot of people actually in the church who who can't always make it on Sunday mornings. And a lot of you come on Wednesday nights instead because of your work schedule and the plant or whatever the deal is. You guys can go ahead and come on down. Uh, And uh, so this is kind of your Sunday morning and it's an opportunity for you to, to honor God with the blessings that he's given you. You may not be rich like Abraham, but even Abraham gave God, you know, blessings and, and, and a tenth of what he had earned. And uh, so this is a chance to give back into God's kingdom and, and honor him with your offerings. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your word. Help us to learn it. Help us to understand. Help us to see what it is that, what, why things are the way they are and why we believe what we believe and what your word says about life and living and righteousness and wisdom and understanding. We thank you for it. God, continue to make this stuff very real to us so that we can become stronger in our faith, more empowered by your spirit and your presence. Bless all those who give tonight, God. Uh, bless them as they bless you and honor you with this giving back into your kingdom. And give us wisdom with this money, Lord, so that we can use this money to advance your purposes in the earth and to touch more lives with the gospel of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.